This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey everyone, welcome back to Digital Foundry, or as we often refer to it, work. Um, <laughs> it's Direct Weekly number 107 here, plenty to discuss this week, huge amount of, hu- of, of news topics. Uh, joining me first of all to talk about it, Oliver McKenzie. Hey Rich, how's it going? Second week in a row. Mm-hmm. And uh, Alex Battaglia. Yes, I'm returned. I am somewhat healthier, almost okay. 100%. John's away on holiday, uh, so you know. let's kick off with the first news topic. So this one has been dominating discussion for the best part of a few days now at the time of filming. Um, essentially, Bethesda Studios Zenimax have confirmed uh, that um, Redfall, the big exclusive for May uh, for Xbox and PC, is going to launch only with a 30 FPS quality mode on the console, and um, we're expecting to see a 60 frames per second performance mode update. Uh, at some point, there's been no idea of how long we're going to be waiting for that. Uh, it's fair to say that the uh, reaction online from both uh, Xbox diehards and uh, casual gamers has been less than uh, stellar, less than positive. Uh, going to go to you, first of all, for your thoughts on this one, Oliver. It's not a good look for a major first party exclusive in a world where we've not really had so many of them. No, it feels a bit ominous to me, especially seeing as all the preview material that we saw for this game was at 60 FPS, stretching all the way back to the game's gameplay reveal and the Microsoft Summer 2022 showcase, and of course, earlier this year, that Microsoft uh, Direct showcase. Mm -hmm. And all the footage so far that I've seen has showcased like screen space artifacts, which makes me think, yeah, that that is a realistic target for console platforms. And Microsoft has Mm -hmm. also done a really good job, I think, with their first-party efforts of showing off footage that's probably in the ballpark for console footage, even though it's being demoed on PC, like with Forza Motorsport last year. I know Alex spotted some reconstruction artifacts in that. And with Starfield, they've been showing it off pretty pretty much at 30. They've been showing a little bit of 60, but mostly at 30. So it's a little bit of a weird situation, and I can't help but be a little bit concerned just because I my feeling, I don't know if this is your feeling as well, but my feeling is the game probably was targeting... 60 FPS on consoles, at least as an option until probably relatively recently. So it makes me a little bit concerned about the the game, but hopefully it's all good. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, the footage that we've seen, as you said, has all been 60 frames per second, pretty much locked. Um, Previews have all been carried out on PC. Uh, Indeed, um, on the Xbox Store page for the game up until recently, it was being um, advertised uh, slash marketed as a 60 frames per second game. But fundamentally, in the year of our Lord, 2023, the uh, concept of a current generation shooter launching without um, 60 frames per second uh, support makes it very much an outlier. And um, the question is, you know, why this is happening? And we can only really speculate at this point so alex i'm curious about your thoughts on this i mean every time we've spoken to a developer about you know how they create a console game that's targeting 60 frames per second it's all about you know very stringent budgets uh targeting 60 frames per second from the get-go and yet here we are a couple of months from launch 
And, um, well, you know, (laughs) to suddenly see this whole experience paired back just to a 30 FPS quality mode, it's kind of baffling, right? So I asked people about this before, specifically in regards to Unreal Engine 4, which which this title is using. And they've said in the past that a lot of things in the middle of the production process that are uh, inefficiently running through Blueprint, for example, will then later on in the process be brought into more performant code. Uh, this is something that was uh, that I heard behind the scenes is that partially happened on Gotham Knight, uh, is that like they brought back some performance by moving things from Blueprint into more performant code. And this usually happens towards the end of a product, like r- before shipping, and it's the one of the last hurdles to get that CPU performance up. In this case, the fact that we were seeing 60 FPS uh, footage beforehand, which was obviously running on PC, combined with the fact that they're saying they're going to bring out a 60 FPS mode later, gives me the feeling that this was maybe part of the production process and they actually did have a plan and it was going to be targeting and running at 60 FPS at some launch date. But then the launch date is actually not attainable to do that in the time frame, and they're pushing it out essentially early. Uh, it's not necessarily ready. And that's what it comes off to me. Like, it doesn't sound very nice to me for to say that, that they're going to be pushing out an unfinished product, but it kind of comes across that way. <laughs> um, there are other reasons why this could be 30 uh, that don't, that aren't the reason I just gave. Uh, one could be that the fact that on PC, they've advertised ray tracing. Uh, the footage they've shown off so far doesn't have any evidence of it, but if they are using ray tracing, uh, that would be a good, for example, CPU-related reason to mm. not uh, be hitting 60 FPS in a good way. It's pretty rare to see a 60 FPS ray trace game on console uh, due to the CPU limitations because you can always scale resolution really far down. Uh, you, you would expect a performance mode not to have ray tracing active, though, right? Anyway, usually. Mm. Um, but, you know, other things... Uh, these all go to the game is unfinished territory, but yeah, they, they're, there's always, you you have these budgets, but you're arting up the game and then you do a optimization pass. Well, what if they haven't finished the optimization passes to get to the certain areas of the game up to 60 yet? Um, well, then they need to wait till they get that done and then bring out the mode in a patch where it's a consistent 60 the whole way through. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of reasons for this. I just think it's another... Big L for <laughs> Microsoft at this time. Um, just where I thought they were on it. They like Hi-Fi Rush was so good, so polished, so great. Um, that I was hoping that the next couple titles that would come out would reflect that experience and a 30 FPS shooter. Uh, I don't know. First person games, I don't think feel very good at 30. Um, usually, usually. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, well, let's bring in a supporter question here. This is uh, Cedric Weber. Uh, Redfall Red is getting offline mode post-launch. Redfall is getting performance mode post-launch. I'm tired of this. I can't name an industry which is so far away from their consumers. We as gamers getting kicked around like a play ball. Uh, your opinion on this? Thanks for the greatest con- content on YouTube. Greetings from Frankfurt. Uh, hello. Neighbor of John there. Yeah. Um, I think this is... Uh, an interesting way of getting to the fundamental point here, which is that the signs are that the game isn't finished, right? And if they can't uh, get out an experience on day one that's that's in line with their original vision, surely the correct decision would be to delay it. 
Um, but what if it can't be delayed owing to the, you know, we've had a dearth of first party uh, AAA content from um, Xbox. The pressures to actually ship must be huge here. Um, so I guess that's my question, Oliver. Do you think they should have delayed it or do you think they should do these incremental updates in the way that it looks like we're going to be getting the game now? Well, personally, I'm a little bit nervous just even about the 30 FPS mode that they're going to be shipping because prior Arcane titles have had issues with 30 FPS caps. Uh, like Deathloop yeah, and whatnot. Absolutely. And personally, I think that I'm going to either be waiting to play this game. I was excited for it. I'm either going to be waiting to play it on console or playing on PC. But then that also kind of <laughs> leaves a corresponding concern, which is that if the game is CPU limited on console with a Ryzen uh, 3600 equivalent CPU, is it going to really perform that well on most PCs without a really high-end CPU? Is it going to be a game that's going to struggle to hit 60 on standard mid-range CPU hardware? I don't know, it's a little bit of a, you know, there's some additional mm -hmm. concerns on top of yeah. that, right? Well, absolutely, because there's so many concerns with any Unreal Engine 4 title yeah. that launches Jesus at this Christ. point. Yeah, Alex is uh, <clears throat> still deep I'm within battered. his Star Trek for the next generation Shades of Grey yeah. flashback Coma. sequence <laughs> where it's just one battery after another. Yeah. Uh, PC gaming this year hasn't improved. It's, no, it has it, you know, arguably it's got worse than 2022 which some might say was one of the worst years ever for for pc gaming and now we're going into every single pc launch in a state of um of, of trepidation and and genuine concern as to whether the game's going to ship in a decent state uh what do you think about pc uh i think here yeah what oliver said is right on the nose where if they're not shipping th that means either the optimization pass isn't done uh, specifically for console settings on the console there, or the entire game hasn't had an optimization pass, and maybe the settings that we'll see on PC won't allow you to get a good 60 FPS anyway, no matter what, kind of like Gotham Knights was, right? Where uh, you could turn on those settings all you want, and you'd get maybe like 5 to 10% more performance back on the CPU, but the entire game was unoptimized, so it wouldn't really help. Uh, I'm worried about that situation on top of the fact that if it is being pushed early, maybe because PC requires other special considerations, shader pre-compilation, you need to make sure you're loading memory correctly. Um, if you push out a game early, maybe these things are still not actually in a, like a gold shipping position yet, and you'll have... Ah, oh, memory issues at launch, crashes, I don't even know, like traversal stutter that doesn't need to be there if you actually did the memory management right for the launch date. There's a lot of things that happen here that where I would agree with the, the poster that I'm actually pretty sick and tired of having to go through a patch cycle of 10 really quick incremental patches that occur over the course of two to three months. Uh, just for games to be in what would previously be a shippable, like the shippable, like quality. Yeah. Okay, Alex. I get it. We'll talk about the last of the part one later. <laughs> we'll right. talk about that. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, you know, mitigating uh, argument here is that typically arcane games always run better on PC than than on consoles. Yeah. So you know, maybe there. it's simply the case that Actually. you know. It's it's been a PC focused title that wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility, but it, the signals being sent out by this are, are certainly concerning, and um, also the timing. You know, I think from my perspective, it sounds like a marketing decision to get the bad news out now, so it doesn't um, become the central point of discussion at review time, which I suspect it probably will anyway. But 
it is what it is, right? Um, I guess there's also uh, the concept of, um, you, you know, the whole strategy from the Microsoft side. I mean, mm-hmm. we've had also from um, Bethesda this week, Ghostwire Tokyo, uh, which, Oliver, you're taking a look mm-hmm. at now, and it's actually turning out to be quantifiably worse than the existing PlayStation 5 version, which in itself wasn't great to begin with. Uh, yeah, can you give us some potted highlights there? Yeah, so I guess the like the basic way that the PS5 version works is none of the modes are really locked, um, except for the 30 FPS quality mode. And they all have big performance issues. And then the game uses um, sub 4K resolutions with FSR 1 and has input lag. So that, that's like the basic setup. And relative to that, the Xbox Series X version is basically worse in most respects with respect to the headline figure. So the RT reflections are somewhat lower quality. Um, there are shadow alignment bugs with the RT shadows. The resolutions are pretty similar for the most part, but the quality mode has a moderately lower resolution than PlayStation 5, it looks like. And performance is typically in the range of 5 to 10% lower than PlayStation 5 in the same scene. Um, and then on Series S, if you go over to Series S, <laughs> it only has two modes, uh, performance and quality. Neither have ray tracing, which is kind of the signature visual feature of that game. So you lose that entirely. And the performance mode runs sub-60. So in general, it runs worse than PlayStation 5. And Series S is sort of a bit of a mess. So it's a really weird situation. And yeah, just not really what you would expect from what is now a Microsoft first-party development studio. Yeah, it sends the message to me that on the one hand, I guess it's a good thing, which is that uh, Microsoft isn't micromanaging these studios. But on the other hand, you would expect them to be held to a higher standard as a first-party studio, and you would expect the ports to be at least on par, mm-hmm. um, if not better than the PlayStation versions, especially in this case where there's like a year between them. Yeah. You know, that should have been a year of, of time spent making the game better. My, my hope, users. frankly, was that they would fix some of the issues from PlayStation 5 that John and Alex observed last year. And if yeah. anything, it's gone in the opposite direction. So it's And it's a little bit of a weird situation because the same studio, Tango Gameworks, also did Hi-Fi Rush earlier this year, which I took a look at, which this game has 10 modes, by the way. Ghostwire Tokyo has 10 <laughs> modes of PlayStation 5 and Series X. Hi-Fi Rush has one mode. It runs at perfect 60 FPS, no input latency, no issues whatsoever. And it's like a clean, smooth, super polished experience from start to finish. And it's like, how could the same studio produce two wildly different efforts with incredibly different performance profiles. It's just baffling to me. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the other thing, of course, is when you have all of these different modes, the uh, QA effort um, multiplies significantly because in theory, all of them should be tested to ensure that they produce a good, a good experience, <clears throat> right? So I'd much rather prefer that level of curation rather than this kind of Wild West approach to, <laughs> to modes, which is just kind of baffling. Well, I would really quibble yeah. with that because two of them even run without V-Sync. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. They don't need those. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts from you on this one, Alex? I guess at this point, we've just had this tweet going out basically saying, hey, no 60 FPS at launch, guys. Um, and we've got no context whatsoever. Uh, it is at this point kind of like wait and see, right? But the uh, the, yeah. the messaging isn't great, is it? No, it isn't. And I I, I did see a really nice um, uh, post from Jez Corden the other week about kind of like expectation management uh, as like a kind of PR strategy from Microsoft. <laughs> and uh, it was kind of hit the point where like, 
I'm thinking back about how Halo, Halo Infinite went down, about how, you know, almost the entire first part of this Xbox Series X, Xbox Series S generation is gone where titles don't show up. There's a lot, there's like just an incredible lack of like console exclusive Xbox titles. There's been more releases on PC, it feels like. Uh, mm. Where it feels like this generation hasn't started very well for Microsoft and they are just trying to get it going finally, uh, but it's just still not up and running yet. Uh, and my goodness, it kind of does suck if you're just sitting there with an Xbox Series X or Series S waiting for like the great, cool Xbox exclusive games to come. And it's like, well, you just got to wait more. Yeah, mm -hmm, absolutely. It's uh, very disappointing. Obviously, we'll be following up on this as and when uh, the situation changes and as and when we get the game. Um, I guess we can move on to the next news topic now. Uh, we'll cover this one quite quickly because I guess we've already... <laughs> disgusted in the past after it weekly. It's now official though. The Suicide Squad um, killed the Justice League game from Rocksteady. Um, Jason Schreier uh, a while back reported that the game has been delayed. This has now been officially confirmed. I guess the big surprise here is that uh, it's been delayed to 2024. Um, so, you know, we've got a lot of time left in development now. Uh, let's go straight to some supporter questions on this. Uh, who the hell am I says, uh, Suicide Squad was just delayed to Feb 24. Just curious on everyone's quick thoughts. Do you think this will give it enough time to fix some of the complaints that people have with the game? Even with a 10 month delay, I doubt they can change the gameplay in a significant way, but maybe they can tweak the way the progression works and completely remove any and all live service elements. This one from uh, Thomas Trialer. Hey DF, exclamation point. It was just announced that Suicide Squad Killed the Justice League was delayed until Feb 24. I know it was discussed in a previous DF Weekly that it seemed too close to completion for a complete rework. But now with this delay, thoughts? Do you think they are completely removing the games as a service feature and going back to the drawing board? Uh, Alex, they can't go back to the drawing board. Can can they? They can mitigate some of the most egregious elements of games as a service, but you know, the, the gameplay is baked in. This game's been in development for like, I don't know, seven, eight years? Yeah, it will be eight years, I think, by the time it would release, should it release in February 2024. Um, I think they can get rid of the outward-facing... Uh, games as a service things that we saw in there and i think that they could actually for example they showed like when they showed i don't know what was i don't know what they called it like the loot score i don't know what it was called but when they showed that screen when they showed that screen with all these different uh data points and it said like dps rate of fire i don't know all these other things they could almost actually simplify that all into a system that is less games as a service and more hidden from the user and maybe actually a lot of these like different effects from weapons and the different skins that give you dps bonuses they can actually technically get rid of all that but the core gameplay of like how it was structured the entire game built around it like we which we haven't seen yet we actually still don't we just saw like a mission and then yeah. them talking about it. We still actually don't know about like the core rest of the game. Like you start off in an area and then do you wander around areas finding enemies or do you go on missions to find things or like, how does this exactly work? I, I don't know. think they can change that at all yet. Uh, that would require remaking the game, right? Uh, so uh, I think there's things they can do to make it better, but I think the stink of G, G A A S will still like 
drive like what you see visually happening on on, on screen all the time. Uh, it's a sad situation, but I think um, I think they can change some things to make it better. But do people want that game? I don't know. Well, uh, uh, Schreier has weighed in with a couple of more uh, more tweets. Uh, nine oh months is not enough to completely change the nature of the game. The team was told the delay was for polish and not related to the February gameplay showcase. Um, lots of other factors can affect release timing. Uh, and uh, polish can mean lots of things from performance uh, optimization to balance tweaks to bugs to server stability. Uh, folks are surprised a dev would take an extra nine months to polish a game, but that's actually normal these days. Uh, hmm. Oliver, any any extra uh, additional thoughts? Yeah, my, my first thought was that they would be delaying the game, especially because uh, some of the earlier reporting had suggested they were delaying the game um, to address some of those complaints. But yeah, I saw the Schreier tweets, and I suppose that sort of indicates that maybe that's not the case. Uh, <laughs> just for Polish, which, hey, you know, 10 extra months of Polish, I suppose that might be worth it if the game is in a really troubled state, even after, I think, two years of delays so far. But what really stands out to me is that Batman Arkham Knight was, I think, released in June 2015. This is getting released in February 2024. <laughs> so that's almost yeah. nine years. So yeah, wow. Nine expectations years. have to be mammoth for this uh, game at this point. I just hope that the original game concept, which seems to have been developed around this game as a service concept that was very popular around the time that the game was being uh, initially developed, I hope that isn't too prominent in the final uh, game, even if even if it's too late to rework it uh, to be more of like a purely solo adventure or something that people might like. But I don't know. Yeah, I think it's worth stressing. This decision would not have been taken lightly. So, you know, if you consider the size of the development team that's going to be behind this game and then multiply all of those wages by 10 months, that's, you know, adding an extra significant chunk of of budget to the game mm. it's, uh, it, this this isn't going to be a decision that's uh, that's taken lightly but again we've seen so little of the game um but what we have seen uh specifically the gradually diminishing energy bars <laughs> it doesn't really fill you with uh, a lot of joy does it but again we just have to wait and see what's going to happen here but we've got a long time to wait seemingly until we actually uh get our hands on the game um let's move on to the next news topic so um this week cd project red in um partnership with nvidia released cyberpunk 2077 uh, rt overdrive mm -hmm. oh, wow where do we begin with this one the first triple a game not just any triple a game but one of the most demanding um, has received a full path facing upgrade um, we've put out some content already, uh, a preview and um, a kind of tour of Night City just to show how cool it can look. Um, Alex, your uh, content slightly delayed owing to your illness. Uh, I guess a couple of questions for me, first of all, which is um, what do you think the overall reaction has been to it? Does it does it make you excited? Uh, do you think people are really into this? So, um, yeah, yeah, wow. <laughs> and I guess um, the other question is, you know, is this the future of games? So I like this um, because it's probably, I, I put out videos about different ray tracing stuff well, semi-regularly, depending upon what they are. And the last couple ones where it's been about like, oh, this game has gotten a pretty substantial ray tracing upgrade uh, or change or user mod. There's always like, there's like 
fifty percent of the comments are like, "Alex is ruining PC gaming." Um, Again, <laughs> you've already ruined retro PC. I've gaming. already, yeah, 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 something like that. Like, ray tracing is ruining PC gaming, something like that. But this time around, um, along with I would say Metro Exodus, enhanced and well, a little bit control back in the day was where the overwhelming user response based on um, I check subreddits. Uh, I, I check YouTube comments. I read a lot of everything that is written about our work. Uh, it was extremely overwhelmingly positive. Uh, people immediately saw what the in incredible benefits of doing a good majority of the lighting through like a path trace system does to the game. I think it's intuitively obvious to the most casual observer. You just like look at it. It's like looks a lot better. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people saw in the video, even though it was only 10 minutes long, essentially, people saw that and they just went like, oh, I get it now. This is what wrath, uh, ray tracing does to a game. And so I think it's really great to finally uh, see in such big numbers, the videos, both the videos, John, uh, that John and I myself put out here with my video had assistance also from John in it, because the B-roll in my video was from John. Um, were just you know they've done really well so it's just showing that people are super excited about this i've also read online uh from people who've just gone out and played it uh that they're loving that they can even run it on their pc even if they don't have an rtx 4000 uh, series gpu necessarily and that's you know it's like it's kind of like a crisis situation where uh, there was also, back when Crisis came out, a lot of people very angry at the game for running the way it did, <laughs> which is weird. Um, but there was also a lot of people being like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm seeing this in front of my eyes. A game that looks like it was made in the future. And that's kind of what Cyberpunk is. It is representing a future vision for how AAA games are going to be lit. Um, and that's what you can see right now on your PC in a preview form. And it's really darn cool. Uh, the second question, wow. Um, is this the shape of things to come? And I would say yes, like nth degree goal, yes. I think um, it's hard to say like what exact power will be there in the PlayStation 6 or Xbox Series next. Um, but I would hope that at least a good majority of the, the lighting pipeline by that point in time that uh, AMD has, you know, uh, ramp, ramped up their ray tracing acceleration to be a lot better than it currently is. And then their mid-spec GPUs by that time can keep up with this. But I would hope that's what we get a certain level. I would really hope we're getting there. Um, but for the midterm, before we see something like a PlayStation 6 or Xbox Series Next, I think this is NVIDIA's kind of path towards the future where they've been creating this technology. It's really currently only at all possible on PCs and they want to ramp it up and advertise towards developers. Actually, we have uh, the ability to insert this lighting in your game. Here's our test bed of Cyberpunk, how we did it with Cyberpunk. Here's Unreal Engine 5, where you can do the exact same thing in Unreal Engine 5. Um, I think this is what NVIDIA would like to see happening in a lot of PC games. And I personally would also like to see happening where there's there's a mode that ships for consoles and it's like, let's say Lumen. And then on the PC version, you get path trace lighting, which is a nice big upgrade actually from Lumen. So that's how I kind of see how this is right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Oliver, what do you make of this? Oh yeah, I was just playing 
right before this, I played like a good hour of Cyberpunk uh, maxed out on my Sick. 4090. And that is a, an intense experience. My big takeaway <laughs> from it, just number one, is that everything looks so consistent with that path traced lighting. Like you don't see any of the compromises that typify modern games, and especially modern open world games that can't rely super heavily on really high quality baked lighting. And you just get outstanding lighting basically regardless of the circumstance indirect direct you know uh, reflective whatever it's fantastic and it actually runs i was very surprised and actually i think rich uh, rich rich got some footage of this it actually runs at very playable frame rates and a very wide range of at least nvidia graphics hardware like you don't need a 4080 or 4090 yeah there, there, there's a mod that makes life a lot easier it reduces ray bounce and yeah. range yeah, but that is basically something that I would expect to see in the final game. This is a technology preview because we did see it in Portal RTX, right? Scalability yeah. in terms of how the path facing actually works. And yes, you know, as you can see here, we've got footage of, of Cyberpunk running locked 1080p30 <laughs> on the weakest ass uh, uh, RTX card <laughs> on the market. Yeah. The uh, RTX yeah. 3050, which, you know, it's it's not looking great, but the point is it's running at a playable frame rate. You know, 1080p30, uh, pretty consistently locked yeah. there. So there is actually scalability in this whole approach, but I think... in the, you know, right now it's it's in technology preview status, and it's all about, um, to put it brutally, you know, trying to sell new GPUs. Mm -hmm. you know, that's what it's all about. But um, but yeah, I'm 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 really excited about it. I think it shows that ray tracing is extremely scalable, and especially when you combine it with um, upsampling technologies, it can be pushed pretty far. And on right now, like on pretty mid range. NVIDIA GPU hardware, like what I would think of as mid-range, maybe other people wouldn't, but like a 3060 or 3070, it runs pretty well. On my 4090, I'm getting yeah. like 100 frames per second with frame gen, you know, just a <laughs> awesome. pretty impressive achievement. <laughs> and um, yeah, I do wonder if this is a sort of ray tracing enhancement that we'll see in the future. It seemed like a lot of work, but if this is the kind of thing that's actually feasible for major upcoming titles that really want to push the boundaries on PC, then yeah, I mean, it'd be very hard to to not want to play those games exclusively on PC because this is such an incredible uh, technology demonstration. It really just shows the incredible advantages you get when you have a computer with many, many teraflops of ray tracing capability. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I think we can, uh, we can basically assume that NVIDIA is eyeing the path tracing um, uh, part of unreal engine 5 mm -hmm. next for integration of this technology because it just opens the door to so many more games supporting it um so yeah i do think it is the beginning of something special here but let's take a couple of quick supporter questions on it this one from selwyn nipples hey dfers exclamation point with so many games that feature rt being heavy on the cpu i was afraid that rt overdrive would cause cpu bottlenecks too however it does not seem too bad does this mean happy days for the future of path tracing and no more CPU struggles? Hmm. Uh, well, this is an interesting question generally, Alex, right? Because, you know, not only is it relatively light on the, the CPU, um, it runs fine on eight gigabyte VRAM GPUs. <laughs> yeah, that's a, well, that's the cool thing about, uh, if you think about it, path tracing or ray tracing in general is you don't need, um, so when you're rest, when like shadow map, you have just like, let's say an 80 by 8096 by 8096 shadow map cascade. And then you have all the different cascades going down. Yeah, that's like a certain amount of stuff that goes into texture memory. You don't necessarily have these kind of large, big 
texture atlas things from ray tracing. It can actually be less memory intensive than standard raster stuff. It's also one reason by, why back in the day when there was presentations from Epic, they were saying you can get a lot better performance out of ray trace shadows scaling to have like many objects with shadows and things like that than you would get doing that with shadow maps. Like there's just, Oliver said it, like ray tracing scales really in an interesting way where like it can go really, really high, but it also, you know, it doesn't like, if you were to like constantly trip, triple, quadruple, uh, eightfold multiply things uh, on on the rasterization side, it gets increasingly, extremely heavy to do those kind of things for diminishing returns. Um, so that's why it's really cool. On the CPU side of things that I really like about this is that the original game, they had some presentations on this uh, that were done, I think at like some sort of developer event in China? Uh, I don't recall, but they basically already said for the original um, ray tracing that was in the game before they added an overdrive, the BVH structure already included in any view you would look uh, the entire city. It always had the entire city in the BVH actually for the original <laughs> game. Um, but the thing is, so you would, so if you'd look in a reflection you'd always see the most distant building. But the things that weren't always necessarily in the BVH the entire way would be civilians, cars, or tiny little scattered objects necessarily that would already be LOD'd out of the way. Um, so those things wouldn't be there. So you're kind of seeing right now, they're just retracing against that same BVH that they had before, maybe with some additions. I, I wouldn't, wouldn't know. Uh, but it should be still actually almost just the same amount of heaviness as it was before on the CPU. I would love to test that now, actually, to see the exact number difference. But it, I don't think it's going to be very big, actually. Okay, fair enough. Let's yeah. just uh, take this question from Captain Rainbow. Uh, loving the new RT overdrive mode for Cyberpunk, but just like Portal RTX, I can't help but notice the shimmering and ghosting caused by the low ray count and denoising of real-time path tracing. After screen space effects and rasterized lighting limits, is that the next thing we'll be picky about? Will future graphics card selling points be less noisy path tracing? Um, so... It's not, see, it was ghosting and shimmering are going to be two different things because one, you'll, you'll get shimmer if you are not, if you're being, how do you say it? Not aggressive with how many temporal samples you're using. So if you were to let it settle and let it temporarily accumulate over time, you don't get shimmer. But then if you move, you get ghosting because you let it temporarily accumulate too long. So the thing is, in the future, much like DLSS, is to apply a, like a neural weighting here and say, okay, this is when we accumulate more, this is when we accumulate less. And currently it's done by hand-tuned heuristics, usually. This is how you say, this is when we're doing it. It's done for TAA, it's done for also the denoisers. NVIDIA, obviously, and Intel are pushing super heavily into any AI stuff. And that's what they really want to do. And they've already showcased a couple of neural denoisers, both of them. But the one thing that's really interesting and that applies super heavily to Cyberpunk and any sort of NVIDIA-sponsored RT title in the future is that they want to push for neural radiance cache, which is basically the game right now uses Reister. But it doesn't actually, other than the screen space cache from Reister, it doesn't actually cache into the world. You'll see other games uh, for performance reasons 
uh, do a lot of world space caching or screen space caching or volumetric caching, whatever. Uh, this game, Cyberpunk currently doesn't do that. Uh, if they used a neural radiance cache like here, one of the cool benefits of that from the research that they've shown off is that it has like super quick like response time because it's not actually resampling at that point. It's just like inferring samples. So it can turn them off immediately. And it makes it so that you don't actually see like like delay usually. So that would impact things like ghosting and would impact the fact like you can turn off sometimes lights in games with ray tracing and you can see them take like upwards of like 30 frames and 60 frames per second before they start to cool and turn off actually in like the, the indirect lighting. Um, this is something that I'm super excited about in the future and really cool. And they even mentioned it to us that they want to implement it in Cyberpunk at some point. So the future is actually really bright. And I don't think it necessarily will require new GPUs. It would just require more of our current GPUs because that's another AI step uh, to run there. So uh, ray tracing is so exciting, man. It's like so much more interesting uh, than all the other stuff we usually cover. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, the, the, I just don't know where to begin with this because the the um, it's not so much the scale of the achievement as impressive as it is, but the time scale that it's been achieved in. Um, I mean, it wasn't you know just a, a couple of weeks ago that we were talking about um, you know Quake One getting mm. <laughs> getting a path traced upgrade and the original half-life getting a path traced upgrade and here we are with cyberpunk 2077 and just to emphasize the scale of that um, yeah it's of, huge the, you know that acceleration i remember being at 2019 at e3 and also at the amd um rdna one launch and uh, AMD's strategy was, you know, essentially, okay, you know, you don't need ray tracing right now. It's, you know, it just can't be done properly. And, um, you know, they've envisaged a, a far-flung future where it would actually be a cloud thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, um, but, you know, the acceleration of, of, of adoption, um, I think has been, you know, and it has been driven by NVIDIA for obvious reasons. You know, they've, they've doubled down on the hardware, right? But here we are, and it's, it's looking absolutely incredible. The question is, you know, in terms of this far-flung future, you, let's say we're looking at new consoles in 2028, will, the, will, we, will we be looking at something like this? It's, it's difficult to tell. All I can really say is that we didn't really anticipate RT hardware to be in this generation of consoles when we were projecting back in the day. So, you know, behind the scenes, there's certainly uh, an impetus to, to do more with ray tracing. And uh, we're starting to see the fruits of that labor here. This is, you know, this is the antithesis. I mean, last week or the week before, we were complaining about, you know, half-assed RT implementations being bolted onto games. Um, you know, but this is like the real deal. It's, it's pretty astonishing. Um, let's move on to the next news topic. So we've had um, the third and final Revealed trailer for The Legend of Zelda Tears oh, of the yeah. Kingdom. And um, I watched it this morning. Incredible piece of uh, editing, I thought. Mm -hmm. Some fantastic custom camera angles. Great look at some of the gameplay in there. It's just looking... And I also think the other thing to point out is that they showed um, fantastic stuff that was completely removed from the previous trailer, which was much more about the systems and stuff like that. Um, Oliver, I'm going to come to you on this one first. Um, this is shaping up to be something special, but the question is, <laughs> is it too big for Switch? 
Well, <laughs> I think we can say it's not too big for Switch. Just right off the top, I thought it was interesting and a little bit weird that we've had to wait this long for like a nice, proper cinematic trailer that actually showed a wide range of the game. Because the stuff we've mm -hmm. seen earlier was like really brief, really fleeting, or like that extended 10-minute um, gameplay showcase from a couple of weeks ago, which didn't really show off that much of the game, but was very detailed. In terms of the too big for Switch, too big for Switch, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it looks very consistent with Breath of the Wild. It's basically the big takeaway for me. There's lots of shadow aliasing, lots of geometric aliasing. I actually counted out a few shots from the gameplay demo a couple weeks ago, and it counted out at 900p with no AA or very minimal AA, which is the same as Breath of the Wild. Um, along with, in this one, there were some cutscenes that looked like they might be pre-rendered, didn't have aliasing, but that was also true in Breath of the Wild. There were some pre-rendered cutscenes there. Generally speaking, I think we're looking at similar technology. The scale continues to impress, though, and I did notice that even though it's using the same world, that there are some differences. So, like, there's some geometric differences in the actual world construction and design. There's some different rocky outcroppings. There's no shrines anymore, but they're, like, these little weird kind of triangular things with swirly green stuff on them that I have to presume are the shrine replacements. <laughs> also, there there's a shot of Hateno Village, which looks a little bit different, like different buildings and stuff like that. The actual basic kind of world sculpting is pretty similar, but I think people, from what I can see in this, it's going to be actually pretty different in terms of the particulars of actually what's decorating that world and how it's laid out so and obviously you've got all the stuff in the sky as well so i thought that was interesting but yeah it's basically breath of the wild uh in terms of the technology as far as i can tell mm -hmm. any thoughts on this one alex um i'm just excited to see the game come out uh i don't like oliver i thought like the original trailer they showed off it looked like super clean in a lot of areas but maybe Looking back on it now, maybe they were just like Oliver said, they didn't actually show off too much of the game. So maybe in those areas, it is looking super sharp and clean because they're avoiding a lot of things that you could be like, ah, oh, look at all that shadow aliasing <laughs> in the background. Um, so maybe that's what was too big for Switch. It was our dreams. Um, dreams. <laughs> dreams is, oh, let's not talk about oh. that. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm excited for this one. Uh, I, I I don't know. I think when does it come out? Actually, the release date. It's out in May. It's May. not so far away. Not so far away. Um, we're looking at Final Code essentially. Yeah, we're looking at Final Code. Then then I'm curious to see exactly how it stacks up against the original game because if it is using a lot of the same map, I'm curious if it's like Far Cry different where they do that exact same thing there, or if it's actually like, wow, they've changed quite a bit here. Only time will tell, Alex. Yeah. But we're all hugely excited by this one. Uh, but that's the end of the news for this week. Let's move on to supporter Q&A. It's the part of the show where uh, every week we put out a call to questions to uh, our supporters on Patreon. They offer up anything up to 50 to 60 questions. We choose the ones that we're best equipped to answer uh, or the ones that might provoke amusement uh, or wind up John, but he's not here, or Alex, or Alex who is. <laughs> um, so let's get straight into it. This one from uh, Jake Richardson. Hello, DF exclamation point. Forgive my lack of brevity, but I joined the Patreon today after feeling compelled to weigh in on Redfall's 30 FPS cap. Personally, the discourse around this and Gotham Knights has been incredibly disheartening as somebody who has always loved the filmic look that 30 FPS could achieve. I believe video games are art and developers should have the freedom to make artistic choices regarding visuals and performance. I can't help but feel that the quote for an eventual quote unquote 
that the call for an eventual quote unquote 60 fps minimum on all console games diminishes gaming as an art form and does a disservice to decades of wonderful gaming history uh, what do you think what do you think oliver i think to me that absolutely there are some games that do work really well at 30 fps and that are built for 30 fps and that have visuals to match and not to be mean i think redfall looks good i don't think it looks like a 30 fps barnstormer <laughs> that's really pushing yeah. out technology in any <laughs> super compelling right. way i think at this point it's been confirmed i mean if we're talking about developer intent all of the uh, marketing yeah. material was 60 frames per second right yeah. so i don't think it applies in this case and then with respect to Redfall in particular, it's a first-person shooter that has like some multiplayer co-op elements. I don't really think that's a great place for a 30 FPS game to be in 2023. I think the comparison, you know, with Gotham Knights, bring Gotham Knights into it is interesting as well. Because like Alex said earlier, Gotham Knights had some serious CPU issues when it came out. And that over time did get basically solved to a good degree it's still not 100 percent where i want it to be but like on pc now as me and alex covered in a video last month um it's actually in a pretty decent place it's in a much better place certainly on consoles than it was at launch so hopefully we can see a similar improvement but to me i think there is absolutely a place for 30 fps games on consoles i'm sure we're going to see a lot of them i think what um a plague tale requiem did on consoles with 30 and 40 fps back uh, some months ago. I think that was terrific. I think we're going to see a lot of really exciting 30 FPS titles, uh, especially ones that use lots of UE5 features and things like that. I don't think that a semi-competitive first-person shooter is, is the place for is the place for that. That's that's just using UE4 with no ray tracing. That's you know my, my opinion, but you know I think there is a place for it for sure. So the concept of a 30 FPS aesthetic, Alex, it it would it would not. Uh, go down well with the PC audience, would it? Well, I just want to take issue that 30 FPS is filmic because films are not 30 FPS. Maybe TV movies are, but film is usually 24 FPS, or maybe it isn't. Maybe it's a different film where they filmed it. Film is a lot of things. It's you know, usually like, 24 frames yeah. per second, though, and, and yeah. TV shows are usually 24 as well. Uh, well, Apart from like, the live comedies are usually 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so, like, the the one thing that I want to like take issue with is like because like also in film it's not just like twenty four it's not always actually just twenty four fps some filmmakers do change the frame rate of the camera per scene and they also change the internal frame rate of the camera per scene for when they do things like slow motion and they also adjust the shutter speed like who can watch Saving Private Ryan and not remember the initial opening moment and think about like why does that look so dang chaotic it's the, the motion blur is like cut so hard on that you can it's like it, it just looks like so framey and you can almost not focus on anything and in a game when you're doing that at 30 fps it it doesn't to me it still doesn't look like a film because motion blur in film is not um like a blurred sample smeared and then you kind of fake the background it's actually like uh, a sample Oh, infinite sample over time and it, you just kind of actually can still see the background movement through the whole arc and it doesn't our motion blur still doesn't look like that to me in games and i still don't think it looks filmic um so i do want to take i don't think it's i don't think the filmic aesthetic in games is even there yet uh to say that it, this is like artistic intent and i think uh john has always put this out really great on twitter when people have said like oh yeah like 
I've tried playing <laughs> tried playing a game at 24 FPS. It looked like a film, but like, oh my gosh, have you ever tried playing a game at 24 FPS? The the input latency is intense, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, basically, the lower your frame rate, the the more exponentially larger the input lag becomes. It is it's so, huge, and it actually requires a huge amount of engineering effort to make a 30 FPS game uh, yeah. deliver end to end. Uh, lag that's below 100 milliseconds yeah it's it's uh, it's one of those situations where i just i don't feel like we should uh, as a medium i mean you can do whatever you want with this medium but i feel like uh the medium strengths are in you know saying like what we can do in a unique way and i don't think just looking towards film is the the, the aesthetic that should always be achieved i think looking for other aesthetics and that are could happen at any frame rate above 24 30 60 fps is something that we should also applaud for sure mm. yeah fair enough um, let's move on to the next question. This one from Dennis Lofgren. Hey, DF crew, exclamation point. What's going on with HDMI 2.1 capture cards? We're in the third year of the new consoles and still no way to truly capture everything they can do. From my research, I found one from EVGA capable of parts of HDMI 2.1. I've not heard that. I'm going to take a look at that now, but mm. not 4K 120 hertz. Oh. <laughs> I'm guessing you guys are following this space pretty closely. So what's taking so long? Are there technical limitations keeping these devices from being made? Does YouTube slash Twitch need to introduce 120 hertz for it to make sense? Uh, keep up your incredible work. I think there's two things here. Uh, number one, um, the the bandwidth requirement to, to stream 4K at 120 hertz um, is is quite significant. I think you're probably looking at a raw bandwidth in around two gigabytes a second. Mm -hmm. um, that's a that's a lot to to carry off. Um, and secondly, uh, there is the application of what happens if you're you know once you've got that, you'll need an encoder chip uh, that can um, encode 4K at 120 hertz to to make it viable really um, as a, as a capture device. Typically, they offer um, compressed inputs as well as uncompressed. Mm -hmm. So that's another aspect of it. Um, I think there was one from a Chinese manufacturer, an OEM that um, I contacted and uh, they were looking to uh, get it out this year, but so far there's not been any any movement on that. It would be great for our work, but you're, I think Dennis also raises the question of, you know, how are you actually gonna deliver that content? At the end of the day, if YouTube and Switch aren't supporting 120 hertz anyway, then you know there's a question of asking, what's the point? It can't be a hardware product that's designed because Digital Foundry needs it, much as we'd like that to be the case. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a lot of a lot of uh, points to this, and the other thing, of course, is that if YouTube slash Twitch did introduce 120 hertz, I doubt they'd be able to do it at 4K, in which case the existing capture cards that do 1440p 120 are kind of perfectly adequate. So there's kind of like a perfect storm of reasons not to produce one of these cards, the engineering effort and, um, and you know, the application. So it's annoying, right, Alex, because the DLSS3 project was immensely challenging because we didn't have a 4K 120 hertz yeah, um, was, uh, capture card. It was a big downer. Uh, I, um, It's kind of where there's another aspect of this that beyond that, that all the things you mentioned, Rich, is that I just thought about it uh, the other uh, few weeks ago when I was talking on our internal Discord, the PC 
community there and they were mentioning i forget who i was talking with but another thing that also is limiting here is pcie bandwidth where currently right now like in one of our workstation pcs uh you're like right on the edge of how much pcie bandwidth you'd have in like a pcie 4.0 system uh and like there's only so many pcie lanes that are shipped with on modern motherboards with modern cpus and at some point you're actually reaching the limit of those things depending upon how many add-in cards you have and like a workstation has usually a number uh so it's another thing where like even if we have one right now i don't know if i'd actually even have i'd have to get an entirely new pcie 5.0 workstation to even use it uh probably and it's like oh my gosh the how <laughs> did he i didn't think about that beforehand but now i realize yeah. it so yeah there's there's so many things in the way here i i don't know what do you think oliver uh, yeah. would you want one right now or are you fine well <laughs> you, you want 4k 120 oliver because the pixel counts on 120 hertz mode oh right yeah well, that would be easy yeah for, for do you for <laughs> for consoles i think it's a little bit it's a lot actually a lot less demanding because 1440p 120 is fine for almost all uses. I did a Gran Turismo video recently and captured it, you know, 1440p 120, and it actually doesn't go above 1440p <laughs> in its mm. high frame rate mode. So Luckily. No yeah. issues there. And even if it did, I mean, the quality loss is going to be negligible in a lot of cases. It would be really helpful for pixel counting. There's a workaround by using system-level screenshots, but it's sort of a pain. You can't really get the kind of consistent counts you'd like to get. And in some cases, it's basically impossible to count. But um, mm -hmm. so on our side, yeah, it's outside of the technical limitations, it would be nice to have. But for me, it's not like a must-have. And certainly, I don't really want to go upgrading my capture PC just to, for those side cases, if that is indeed the mm -hmm. case. But the other half of it, of course, is delivery. And I don't know that YouTube is going to do 120 hertz at 4K anytime soon. I don't think that users are equipped for it in terms of their displays. I don't think the apps are equipped for it. Um, and I don't think that YouTube is in a, in a position to offer the bandwidth needed. And actually, if you remember, uh, Rich, a few months ago, they were trialing, I think, limiting users who didn't pay for YouTube premium <laughs> oh to my gosh. 60 Yes. Which we, we had wow. a problem yes. with that, obviously. But 4K60, I think, is sort of like... It's not a bad place to be <laughs> considering what the alternatives are, right? Yeah, I agree entirely. Uh, let's move on to the next question. This one from Jesus. Jesus? I don't know. Um, anyway, the question is, hello, DF, about industry terms. When you receive code, are you talking about literal source code or are there game codes for stores? In any case, where does the term originate? Also, using the words title to refer to, to games, it always puzzled me. Yeah, I think both of these things are kind of like um, industry terms, uh, perhaps a bit inside baseball. Um, if we're talking about receiving code, we don't receive the literal source code. You know, so for, for example, Dead Island 2 turned up yesterday and, uh, you know, I put on the Slack channel, Dead Island 2 code is in. It's not as if we've received <laughs> the source code of Dead Island 2. But I don't know what we'd do with it, to be honest. Um, it's basically an uh, industry term for, you know, the deliverables we get. You know, it can be preview footage. It can be B-roll. It can be preview code it can be review code code is typically a you know a packaged up game that that we either receive physically or much more often digitally so we, yeah uh, it, we aren't receiving actual source code there that's pretty awesome also referring to the word title to refer to games again uh, well there's two reasons uh, for that first of all yes it's how 
um, developers and publishers refer to games, their titles. Um, and secondly, uh, when you're a journalist and you're talking about games all the time, you actually kind of need a different term to to make sure that the copy doesn't repeat itself over and over again. So it's just a nice way to talk about things. Game patches are title updates. Ah, uh, yeah. But yeah, this is this is perhaps indicative of ex accessibility in terms of us as journalists in talking to the end user, uh, because yeah, there is a lot of these industry level terms that we kind of just throw about with, you know, with without a second thought when, yes, it's obviously causing some level of confusion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I don't think there's anything more to add to that, but let's move on to the next, next question. Then the final question from Luke. Um, since Steam Deck is also a relevant console by now, will you also cover it, at least from time to time? I think the answer is yes there, Oliver, right? Yeah, I actually I have a video sort of in the works covering the demanding titles of Q1. But the release schedule right now, especially with um, John away for a short period on vacation, it's pretty intense. So maybe when the release schedule calms down in a couple weeks, I can take a look at it. But yeah, Steam Deck's always on my mind. I love covering Steam Deck. I use my Steam Deck all the time. I love portable console-like devices. And I think the Steam Deck mm -hmm. is really interesting to cover because you don't often see a place for what is functionally very low-spec PC hardware that people are actually interested in. <laughs> so that creates... A lot of interest, and obviously yeah. Valve has done a tremendous job with the system level features. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, there will be more Steam Deck coverage on the channel. It just, you know, sometimes the, the the release schedule catches up on you, and all of a sudden we're flooded with stuff that we need to cover. So, has <laughs> to go by the wayside. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Alex. What I really love about the Steam Deck is basically uh, the shifting of focus back to low end hardware, and um, the implications that has for low end hardware across the entire peak. PC ecosystem. So yeah. to put this into perspective, um, the RTX um, 4070 review, I went back through all of the prior 70 class cards and um, it was too late to go into the video, but um, I also benchmarked the GTX 1070 and at 1080p resolution, ultra settings, it's, it's still all right. And I was kind of surprised by that. I mean, you know, the new cards are anything up to like three times faster. It's like six times faster if you're using frame generation. Oh my. But, you know, if, if you weren't using ultra settings, um, the 1070 is still capable of 1080p gaming. It's, yeah. It's, it's it was, great. It was like an Xbox One X. So it's, yeah. yeah. In that case, you know, it, it does make a lot of sense that it was so good. And, I mean, I I used the one also, I think, for up until I replaced it with an RTX 2080 Ti for the larger PC I use in reviews at that point in time. I used the GCX 1070 as well for, I think, almost the first year almost of reviewing I had, just about, just a little bit under a year, uh, which was really fun. It's coming to Would Steam Deck? What? Yeah. Well, well, yeah, let's talk about Steam Deck, because it doesn't excite you really. It, <laughs> well, it intrigues you, but... You don't I'm, use it day in, day out. Do I don't you? use it day in, day out because I just don't. I'm like, I'm like a rituals person, I guess, in regards to how I play. I like sitting at a spot. I don't think about using a thing while I sit on a couch or whatever, at, or going outside. I just don't think about playing games at those times. So that's probably why it's less for me. But at the same time, I think one thing I would also like to see, and maybe this requires collaboration, is that we can sometimes have the PC version of uh, our video comes out covering the PC version, but then the next day we have Steam Deck video 
or something like that. That's something that I would really like to see happen occasionally. Uh, because I think the, even though optimized settings scale down, usually like the reason why I make optimized settings is cause they are the ones that scale down really well across all. And they're just like the good settings you want, but steam deck is low power enough where it requires ultra optimized settings in some cases. <laughs> so uh, I would like to have that almost sometimes be a separate video in this yeah. future. The other thing is the screen is smaller. So the concept yeah. of what is optimal in, in terms of bang for the buck changes quite significantly. Super. You can, you can run Marvel Spider-Man, you know, flat medium settings and it still looks really good mm -hmm. uh, on the Steam Deck. So yeah, there is that, that contention as well. Um, yeah, I'm just really interested in handheld PC gaming. It's it's just um, an area that's expanding rapidly. And I was um, also heartened to see this week a story from Tom Warren from The Verge talking about how Microsoft are looking into producing um, a, a, dare I say it, bespoke <laughs> front end for Windows that would actually work really nicely on a handheld. And um, yeah, I mean, I've just received the Ioneo Air Plus I mean, this is the uh, the standard Air, and the Plus basically puts a sixty eight hundred U into into this form factor. Oh my one, goodness! Which would be, you know, it's it's designed essentially for fifteen watts, which puts it in the region of Steam Deck, but in a form factor like this. Plus, you have the option to go to twenty two watts, which you know adds like forty percent performance, but obviously with a hit to battery life but yeah i'm going to be checking that out but um yeah i just think this whole idea of handheld pc gaming uh, i love it for a number of things first of all because it's taking pc gaming out of the office out of the bedroom anywhere which i think is is very liberating for the platform and secondly it does make developers think twice about scalability right um, and um, the idea that you can get a good experience on lower end hardware and bearing in mind that the prices of new GPUs and, and basically everything has, has shot up. It's, that's a, a good thing. But yeah, more Steam Deck coverage. I think we can accommodate that in due course. Um, but that's it. That's the final question and therefore the end of the show. So uh, yeah, please do like, subscribe, share if you enjoyed uh, this particular direct. Ring the bell for those notionally <laughs> instant notifications. I'm still not getting notifications from that channel that I have uh, <laughs> been subscribed to, uh, which is on the one hand great, but on the other hand, it is notional. <laughs> um, yeah, DF Supports Program, join us for uh, the ability to talk to the team directly. Uh, join this amazing community, get early access to a ton of great content, bonus material, amazing DF Retro stuff. It's their place to be. But that's all from us for this week. Thanks for watching. <laughs>